Hello and welcome to Go With The Heat. I'm Dominic. And I'm John. I'm Melissa. And this is your cultural guide to the phenomenon that was Miami Vice. This week we're talking about Season 2, Episode 7, Tale of the Goat, which was fantastic for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> it originally premiered on November 15th, 1985. It was directed by Michael O'Harely, which who directed Junk Love, our our episode last week, which actually makes sense now that you think about it that way. Uh, that was the same guy behind the camera for both these episodes because they both suffer from the same thing, a disjointed, confusing storyline. It was written by Jim Trombetta, who he didn't really do much for my advice pretty much the only episode that he wrote he co-wrote another episode but this is the only one where he's he wrote the entire thing after this episode they're like we won't let him do that again <laughs> no no one let him in the room again please <laughs> yes before we get started check in see what's going on in each other's lives and guys it's another day it's another week it's another month and we keep getting older yeah it was my birthday, and so I'm one more year closer to my AARP membership. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking it... forward to those deals. <laughs> I, I get mail you... from them all the time. <laughs> they know I, I'm coming. I bet you you're already subscribed to the magazine. <laughs> as soon oh, as man. you saw Luke Perry on the cover, he was all over it. <laughs> it was Dan Harmon. He's the oh, one that got me. <laughs> I'll do anything for Gibbs. <laughs> well, Melissa, since uh, you are the closest to actually being a member of AARP, how does it feel that all your favorite stars are now starting to grace the cover? Very sad. Very, very sad. <laughs> I was crushed when Luke Perry was on the cover because I used to love Luke Perry when I was a teenager, you know, like 12 <laughs> or 13. Mm -hmm. And now mm -hmm. he's on the cover of AARP. By the way, he's way older than me for the record, okay? So, <laughs> way, way older than me. I was just going to let people uh, assume. Yeah, I know. <laughs> she must be like 56. <laughs> Well, guys, let's get over and talk about this episode. This was this was a Tubbs classic because he's he's just solid through the entire episode because he's just laughing about voodoo the entire time and then he gets like cursed at the end. So it's just it's a Tubbs fantastic through the entire episode. Were you gonna say Dubs? <laughs> <laughs> let's go talk about this episode. Okay, it has been a few weeks, but we have probably the best open of the second season hands down i don't know i actually don't know how they're going to top this this season <laughs> yeah i know it was pretty fantastic you know we start off with crockett picking up his brand new casket which of course crockett's caskets only fly first class <laughs> yeah they're at the miami dade airport Tubbs and Crockett are there. There's a uh, a casket coming in. We have to assume there's a body in there, right? Otherwise, it would be really weird that he's just waiting for a brand new casket to come in uh, at the airport. But no I one tells you. Assume, but no one tells you uh, why he's there waiting for it. Why were they waiting for that? They're not the coroner. Why would they be picking up a body? Uh, yeah, and I, I would just assume with how happy kind of they are because they're sitting, they're kind of walking and joking. I would assume, assume you would be much more somber if you were going to uh, look at a dead person. <laughs> yeah, I know. They were <laughs> yeah. so excited to look at this dead person. <laughs> <laughs> Crockett is giving Tubbs a rundown that the guy inside of the casket, his name is Legba, which is perfect because he's got this limp later in the episode <laughs> that his name is Leg, Legba. Anyways, they're 
picking up Legba, and he's apparently he got hit by the Zobops, which is a gang <laughs> in Haiti that just goes around terrorizing people. And so he supposedly got hit by them, and the, but he's a naturalized U.S. citizen, so he's being flown back to the U.S. to be buried. Yeah, the sure. story already is is complicated, right? <laughs> right off the bat. All I know is there's a dead person in Crockett's new casket. Yep. <laughs> And you're right. Sonny is really excited about the casket. He talks about how he's been chasing him for like three and a half years. He opens up the casket and takes a, a, like a selfie with, <laughs> Not a with, selfie. with Legba inside of the casket. <laughs> This is when we find out that it's not Legba in the casket, it's Samson. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta talk to Samson. Yeah, because the actor inside of the casket, who ends up being our main villain, his name is Clarence Williams III, who, as we just hinted at, we've also seen in Half-Baked, which is you know, it's a fantastic comedy. But, John, it sounds like there's a whole bunch of other stuff we don't know about Clarence Williams. So he was in the original Mob Squad, kind of where he started his career. He was also in the movie Purple Rain. I, I know and love him from Half-Baked, being played yes. Samson. He, he was also in I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker, another cl- instant classic. Do you think in Half-Baked, in that scene where Dave Chappelle goes to talk to Samson, he's pretending to be Jamaican, do you think he was trying to pretend like he was Tubbs? <laughs> he was channeling I think so. Tubbs. That was the first thing I thought of watching this episode. Seriously. <laughs> And then a little bit for Clarence Williams' personal life. Uh, He was married to Gloria Foster, who played the Oracle from the Matrix movie. Really? They were married until he died in 2001 from the diabetes. Mm, Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he's early TV because of the Mod Squad and a couple good movies in there, especially Purple Rain. Which is an amazing movie, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what their job is, I guess, when... Legba comes in is they're supposed to make sure that the casket is handed off to the right people. And I think what there's the reason why they're doing that is because they're going to stake out the funeral to case whoever's there. Then Crockett, like, quote, he says, quote, to see if any loose ends fall out. I'm just curious if it would have paid off because it, it might have helped later if they'd put like a mirror up to his mouth rather than take a picture. <laughs> like hold a mirror up to his mouth to make sure he's not breathing. Maybe take his pulse. I don't know. It could have saved a lot of time later on, that's for sure. <laughs> True. Episode over. He's yep. alive. <laughs> he's alive. There you go. <laughs> so we just jump from the airport. We're still in the open. We jump from the airport to a cemetery. And the cemetery is like shrouded in fog and there's like this creepy music playing. And this is the trend for the whole episode, right? Anytime voodoo is mentioned, it's like this shroud of mystery and this like enchanting, creepy music that's playing. They were really trying to play on people's misunderstandings of what voodoo is. But then they never yes. address what voodoo actually is in the entire episode. Yes. And one of the things I love, too, is they're trying so hard for the voodoo th- vibe. And Tubbs just does not give a crap. The whole time at the funeral, he's checking out hotties. And... Yeah, he's like, oh, she not is creeping hot. Tubbs out. Oh, yeah. And at the airport, Tubbs was having a great time laughing about the Zobops and the Haitian voodoo. And he was he was having a great time to it. And then he goes to the funeral and he, he looks over. And he, so Croc, for, for some reason, Tubbs is like standing as part of the funeral. But Crockett is hiding behind a tree. 
And then they're radioing <laughs> White people to aren't allowed at this funeral. <laughs> so Tubbs is just standing there, and he's watching people, and he's radio. And then Sonny is radioing to him, like giving the entire backstory as if he's like narrating. It's like the director's cut. Of the funeral with Sonny doing commentary on everything that's happening. And nobody can hear that, like, at the funeral. No one can hear him talking. He's right, like, like, the tree's right there. He's not even, like, he's the worst hide-and-seek player ever. You can see him right there talking into a walkie-talkie. That's not distracting during a funeral at all. <laughs> so he starts to explain my like, favorite name of the episode comes driving up next and it turns out that that's his girl so mm-hmm. it's her romulus yeah yeah so first we see tubbs he's like making eyes at a woman her name is marie and it happens to be legba's main girl yes. and then romulus comes pulling up in his bmw <laughs> that name he, yeah, I know. The names yes, are so hard Romulus. to keep straight in this whole episode. They were so hard to keep straight. Silvio Romulus comes driving up in his BMW, <laughs> grabs Maria, and leaves in the middle of the funeral. Just after that happens, because Sonny tells Tubbs, because Sonny happens to know everything. You would think it'd be better if Sonny was at the, was actually participating in the funeral and then just narrating for everyone else that's there, because he happens to know everyone that's involved in this. Right after... Romulus leaves. A mo- a masked motorcycle man comes flying out from behind the funeral and shoots up the casket and then drives away. <laughs> so yeah, uh, now we have rival voodoo gangs. <laughs> I guess maybe, or maybe it was Romulus that ordered the hit on it and make sure that he was actually dead. Well, he did come and get Marie and pull her out of there, like right mm-hmm. before, right? Like that's kind of suspicious timing. You're not exactly mm-hmm. hiding that you tried to. I don't understand though. He was he was supposed to be dead. Why did you shoot up a casket of a dead man? <laughs> <laughs> when a simple mirror would have sufficed. Exactly. <laughs> All of <Yes>. this. <laughs> what's What's fantastic about this now, other than just like all the craziness that we've had so far, the mysterious cemetery, the laughing about the Zobops, the motorcycle man shooting up the the casket, is that. Crockett is telling Tubbs to make sure he averts his face from Romulus when he pulls up so he doesn't get made while he's standing in the middle of the funeral. And then when the motorcycle guy drives off, both Crockett and Tubbs run up to the casket like, okay, well, all bets are off. It's okay if they know who we are. Tubbs is going to try and infiltrate this voodoo gang later in the episode after being at the funeral for the main boss holding a gun. Uh Yeah, and then he runs over and opens the casket. How are you being yeah. undercover now then? How could you still go undercover? <laughs> see, aside from all that, when he opens the casket, we see that Samson has turned into a goat. And now I believe in voodoo because that's amazing. Yeah, dude, I don't know the, how they the, did it. They were doing that little dance and bam. Am I the only one that felt sorry for the goat? <laughs> he was just a poor innocent goat minding his own business so, eating some cans and they came and got him put him in a coffin <laughs> well in true vice fashion they reuse the goat later in the episode right after they throw the casket open and they see that it's a goat inside the hive the priest or whatever is there just says zombie and then we go to the opening credits and I just want to close out this, this open it's going to be really hard to top laughing about Zobots or whatever it was that the Zobops yeah, going Zobots. to a mysterious 
cemetery and have a motorcycle man shoot up a casket. It's it, with people's names being Legba and Romulus and Tubbs trying to pick up women at a funeral. Like it's going to be really hard to top this open. Yes. Yet somehow they do. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> wow. Okay. I, you have to tell me later what episode that is. I want. I want. I want to hype that up. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a lot, there is an episode. Believe me. <laughs> when we come back from the credits, we have a brief stop where we see Legba's being brought back to life. He sits up and just says mercy. He just sits up with his eyes wide open, and his main doctor slash priest is just all smiles. So we know. So hold on. Legba's this is important. Alive. This is important. Not only did they change him back from the goat, but they brought him back to life. Zombie <laughs> Samson is proof that voodoo is amazing. <laughs> we go over to the precinct and Tubbs and Crockett Castillo. They're talking to like a specialist or, or some like toxicologist or something like that. Yeah, he's he a toxicologist. Thinks, that's what he is. Yeah. Yeah. And he thinks that Legba is alive. Crockett and Tubbs are having a fantastic time laughing about all the weird voodoo stuff they just they they are beside themselves they are laughing the entire scene beaker that's what i'm gonna call the toxicologist because he kind of looks like beaker from the muppets <laughs> <laughs> he, sa- he says that there's a toxin called pteridotoxin it comes from a caribbean fish that causes death by paralysis but if you survive 48 hours it's pretty much like nothing happened so that's <laughs> you're okay that's, that's kind of special <laughs> yeah after patting each other on the back and having it some big laughs after all of that stuff. They decide that what they're going to do is they're going to go talk to Romulus to find out what's happening and do some deeper investigation. I mean, they are vice cops and they should probably investigate why someone on a motorcycle shot a casket. And now that the body is missing, even though they're having such a great time, they should probably go and investigate this. We go over to Romulus's house and the duo are camped outside in the Ferrari. Romulus's house is busy with activity. There's all kinds of people like packing stuff up and, uh, People with guns walking around. We we overhear a conversation between Romulus and Marie, where Romulus says he was left in charge, but Marie says he was just supposed to run the business, not totally take it over. And then we see Marie leave on her own, and Romulus takes off in his BMW with his guards. The duo says it's an interesting change that Marie doesn't want any part of this, but we're not interested in her. We're going to follow Romulus. Well, yeah, she says he's gonna. he has eyes in the back of his head. So she's saying that she's afraid of Legba, mm-hmm. and that's why she doesn't want to go with Romulus. The duo follows Romulus over to a car dealership, and at the at the dealership, they're filming a commercial. And the cars are great in the commercial because <laughs> one of them says hot and sassy on yeah. it, and then the other one says French and sexy. <laughs> Because everyone wants a hot and sassy car. <laughs> the guy who's in the commercial, his name is Bobby Profile. And at the end of the filming, he just like, all right, that's it. We're done. And then he, he sees Romulus to shake hands. They go into the office and through the giant plate glass window, you can see Bobby open a safe, hand Romulus a briefcase. Romulus opens it. Pat's like he's counting the number of wads of cash that are inside the briefcase and then walks out. First, I want to point out, I love the sus- the plaid suspender pants. <laughs> These guys, fantastic fashion. But Bobby Profile was played by Raymond Sharkley Jr. And I guess around this time, he was pretty much making the rounds and just about everything from All in the Family, Barney Miller. But our vice connection happens to be he had a reoccurring role on Crime Story with Dennis Farino. Of course, there's always like that deep Michael Mann tie, right? 
Yeah. Yep. So he was also, his final TV appearance was on Jake and the Fat Man, but he also was in the movies Paradise Alley, Wise Guys, with his final film being mm. Cop and a Half. I'm sorry. So, that's a terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what he ended his career on was Cop and a Half. So, but he battled drug addiction as adult life and in 87 was diagnosed with AIDS and then uh, ended up dying in 1993 of it mm-hmm. uh, not without some controversy wow yeah that's a quick that's a quick change from being in a whole bunch of TV to I mean from the time that this episode aired it's only eight years later and he's dead what the duo was seeing at this dealership with Romulus is it's clear that Romulus is going around and making some like last minute collections either he's afraid that legba i was gonna call him legolas i was too i'm in my head like legolas (laughs) zombie samson we know who zombie samson is (laughs) he's he's either afraid that he's gonna go collect or he's gonna try and run away that romulus is gonna try and take all this cash and then run off we have our next scene is really really interesting we go to like was it like a camp like a homeless camp Maybe uh, I don't know where this is. There's like some camp, and the Legba is limping around. He goes over to see someone. He like pulls this guy out of like his cave. Maybe let's <laughs> <Maybe. laughs> <laughs> just be like the whole entire commentary of this part. Maybe I'm not sure. <laughs> Then Legba goes into this long rant about breaking the barrier and walking among the living again. Then he hands the person a pick, just a regular old pickaxe, and says he can do some work for him. His name's Baron Sam- Samdi Samedi, and he calls him the master of the graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure everything Legba says in this episode is just gibberish. Like he hey, didn't have master actual- of the graveyard is a heck of a promotion from guy who digs hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we end the scene with like some sort of voodoo seance where there's there's everyone's dancing around these fires and then Legba pulls out a picture of Romulus and Marie together. He says that he's got bad loss. He holds the picture up of Romulus and says, I cast a death spell. And then the voodoo music ends and the fog clears and we're back to normal. <laughs> right back to normal. But is there any, you said a voodoo seance. Is there any kind of other seances? Like, am I missing something? Is there like a, <laughs> other religions that do seances? <laughs> Wick, I'm pretty sure Wiccan do. Oh, that's true. Yep. John with the obscure religion reference. Yeah, I know. <laughs> hey, don't bring me and my sisters into this. <laughs> We go back to the duo tailing Romulus, and he's still making his last-minute collections. He's going over to Frank Pizza. (laughs) (laughs) The name. (laughs) Because that's the name over the door that they walk into is Frank Pizza. (laughs) Wow. You know, Frank Pizza, Bobby Profile. (laughs) Who wrote this? Romulus. Let's not let him write any more full episodes. Or just he can't name anybody ever again, right? Like you can write the episode all yes. you want, but you have to give the naming to somebody else. Well, it's a good question. Like, is the person inside is his name? Is his name Frank Pizza? Or is it supposed to be Frank's Pizza? Once Romulus goes inside Frank Pizza. <laughs> it's a set it's a it's a leg bus setup. And so the two guards that are with Romulus, they get 
killed, one by the pickaxe, and then one by a saber, which I love this game. They have the best collection of weapons ever. <laughs> one of them has a plunger. <laughs> because then Legba grabs Romulus and chokes him with a piano wire. So in this scene, someone gets killed by a pickaxe, a pirate sword, and piano wire. <laughs> So, like, where were they when they were planning this, that all this was available? Maybe they're just really resourceful. Like, they're just reusing what they have. They don't have money to buy guns, so I've got a lot of piano wire. I don't know why. I have a lot of pianos with no tuning. I don't know. Outside, the duo are totally oblivious to what's happening inside. They're, like, barely staying awake, and then they see... The two guards for Legba come out, and then Legba himself come limping out. Crockett just throws on the lights and hits the gas and just drives up, almost hits one person who jumps out and jumps out of the way. And then they just stop and kind of stare around, confused. It's not like Legba was going to run away. <laughs> what do you mean, limp away? <laughs> and the way he limps, he's like yeah, all hunched no. over. Like, it's like the <laughs> zombie Samson looks like he needs a bacchiotomy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a legionomy, actually, not a backionomy. <laughs> I'm going to keep, keep quoting half big all episode. <laughs> we go to the precinct, and this is just a quick scene. Crockett's explaining to Castillo what was happening. Crockett's like really starting to buy into the voodoo stuff, but Tubbs is still just laughing it all. I'm like, I don't know. This is all hilarious. And I believe that Crockett's superstitious. That makes sense. You know, <laughs> this is a guy with alligator who lives on a boat. Like, yeah. He's superstitious. <laughs> that makes sense. Castillo says, just watch profile for the next tw- 24 hours, or Bobby, whatever you want to call him, because it's weird to call him profile. Uh, and then Tail Marie, and just ch- check in on her. So, of course, what do the duo do? They go straight to Marie. <laughs> Tubbs was driving that day. <laughs> <laughs> She's packing up. She's like, preparing to run off or something i don't know she's like packing up a suitcase and the duo are, are, are inside of the house it's actually romulus's house and i guess marie was was living with him she's sticking to so, her guns raise your hand if you think that the duo is going to get marie killed later in the episode <laughs> for the record it's just one of them not the duo i'm, <laughs> I'm sorry one of them wasn't invited yep <laughs> Murray sticks no to trees for him to hide behind. <laughs> <laughs> Marie's sticking to the. She doesn't know anything. She doesn't know what's going on with the gang or anything. And then Tubbs like kneels down and looks her in the eyes and says, "Is that because you don't want to know?" And then she caves in and says, "You better act quick." Legba's planning to go back to Haiti. He only came back for the money that Romulus owed him, and that's what Romulus had told her. Tubbs and Crockett kind of go, "Okay, cool," and they just leave. There's like no, <laughs> they just walk out, and then Legba comes out of the shadows. He was like listening the entire time. I don't, I don't know. He's like in the kitchen or something. Apparently, Tubbs Crockett didn't really look around that well inside of the house. He comes out and tells Marie she's coming back with him to Haiti. She just kind of rushes him off and walks away. But we see now that that's what his plan is. His last step that he's going to do is take her back with him to Haiti. Then, John, I have a feeling that this is going to be one of your favorite scenes for the staff at the vice office. We go over to the precinct, and Crockett's staying late. He's looking over the evidence. You can see he's kind of hinting at he's starting to believe in this voodoo stuff, like there's something up with it. And Pepe is sweeping the floors in the background. They're the only two that, that are there. And then Crockett leans over to Pepe, and he's like, hey, you mind come take a look at this? Like, he just needs extra eyes on the 
maybe Pepe might catch something that he doesn't see. Pepe walks over and asks him, do you believe in the ocean? And then the creepy music starts to play. Like fog machine turns on. And Pepe says, no matter if you do or don't, if you step in it, you're going to get wet. Life lessons. (laughs) (laughs) Profound. Yeah, and I love how Crockett's taking advice from a janitor. He's made the best decisions in his life. That's what I say. Like, I would have trusted a janitor with police work. Like, isn't that stuff like confidential? Or, I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Not only that, but just because he has an accent doesn't mean he knows anything about voodoo. Yeah, I know. The phone rings and breaks the uncomfortable silence, and it's Marie. <laughs> she says that she doesn't that, that she wants to be safe. She doesn't want to go with Legba back to Haiti. Crockett Croc says he'll come get her, but we see in the background that Baron is watching in on the phone call. We have a really fast scene after this phone call. By the way, Le- I miss payphone. There have yes. been about half a dozen times where I could have really used the payphone. I mean, uh, I, uh, there's like a few times in the last couple of years where I really needed to go to the bathroom, but there was nowhere to go, and I really missed the payphone. <laughs> 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 we have a quick scene at Lake Buzz where he's just wa- he's randomly watching a commercial for Bobby Profile's car lot, and he pulls out an AK and shoots the TV. So we get the messaging like he's going to go kill Bobby next, but interesting, he's just sitting there watching car commercials. He just He's just sat there for hours waiting for that commercial to come on. <laughs> I hate car commercials. Maybe he doesn't even know Bobby. He just doesn't like car commercials. You know what's probably the worst thing for Legba in this scenario is that he waited hours and hours because there's no DVR. So he waited hours and hours for that commercial to finally come on. He shoots the TV off seriously and then there was no one around to see it. So then he had to like go get into the mm-hmm. TV and set it back up, tell his guys to come sit with them. That way they can see this tension, high tension moment. The next morning at the dealership, Bobby sees that there's some graffiti on what oh sorry, it's a um it's not a graffiti on what on one one of his vans. It's one of Legba's vans that's parked out in front, right? Or whatever it is, there's graffiti on one of the vehicles out in the lot. Then he hears that he's on a phone call, so Bobby goes in, he p- picks up the phone, it's Legba. Legba asks him if he got the message and then he wants the $500,000 that Romulus owes him. Outside, Crockett and Tubbs and the B-team are listening in in the bug van, which means that at some point in time, they put a ta- they, they wiretapped his phone. I guess we just didn't get to see that, or they put a microphone inside inside of the office or something. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that could have been an, apor- an important scene, you know, yes. maybe more important than uh, Zombie Samson shooting <laughs> the TV. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Profile, the ultimate salesman, says, I can't use guns, by the way. This is way (laughs) off. The ultimate salesman says, like, your money's out here. I've invested all that money. You come down here and sign some paperwork. I'll make sure all the investments have been turned over to you. Legba says, all my my signature is what I did to Romulus. I'm going to come down and give you my signature and then hangs up the phone. And then Bobby goes into this long rant of giving like all the exact things that he's going to do. It's like, we're going to get like about to meet us over on I-91 at the construction site. And we're going to kill him with three bullets, 37 <laughs> feet away from the shore of the river. Like he just gives out everything exactly the time of day, the direction the sun will be in, how high it is off the horizon, the bus schedule on how to get there <laughs> i mean it is convenient right because people were listening in he was giving him like the blueprint to how to get to see what he was going to do <laughs> even more confusing is then after he does that 
we just fast forward to that night and Bobby's still there all by himself at the dealership and three of Legba's men just come in. They open up a briefcase and they hold Bobby at bomb point. I guess you could call it. Point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my question is, why not run? Question number two. Did, did, did the vice cops get enough recording that they just drove away? Yeah. Shouldn't they still back. be there watching? <laughs> I thought they were staking the place out. Did they go out to dinner? Is this how this happens? <laughs> there are so many questions from this scene because two men just run in and open up the safe and pull and start pulling out money. Like, what use is a safe if you if it you could just open it? If you don't lock it, it's not necessarily a safe. Okay, it's just a box with an open door. <laughs> not just that, but like they open up the bomb and like they just stand around waiting for the bomb to go off. And then that's the next question. It's like, then what happened? You see two people run outside, but you don't see Bobby or the person who's carrying the bomb. They also, you just see the dealership blow up. So who was still in there? Who died? Did anyone die? Did all of them die? What I happened? don't know. What happened to the safe? Who gets his cars? <laughs> <laughs> There's like a lot of Cadillac left on that lot. Someone's, someone's the money. Maybe it was the guy who was bitching too earlier. <laughs> We go from that fantastic scene to another fan short but fantastic scene where we're on Crockett's boat. And Gina is babysitting Marie and she's like, oh, hi, Marie. So what's all this voodoo stuff about? <laughs> she pulls out her Calvin like Klein model jumps out of nowhere and tries to kill him. <laughs> yeah, why was he in his – because he was in the water, so he was just in his yeah. underwear? That doesn't look like swim trunks. Those just look like underwear for the record. He clearly couldn't afford to buy swim trunks. I would wear more if I was a hitman. <laughs> If I was actively trying to kill someone, I would bring more than Speedos. I would want to have pockets. Maybe it's because he was, like, slippery, so you can't catch him. He's too slick. She tries to get him down, but she can't get him because he's too slippery. He's all wet. <laughs> His underwear, jumping around everywhere. He looked fantastic, but he just sucks at his job. Oh, he was in shape, that's for sure, but yeah. <laughs> Marie does give some information that means absolutely nothing in the rest of the episode. She says it's called the Grand Sanctuary, that they're bokors and their voodoo is like black magic, and that people come from all over to, to go to their rituals. All this information means nothing in the episode. And then we have my favorite meeting with the uh, vice team. Basically, Tubbs is pitching them going undercover, and Tubbs is sold in... Trudy is not. And, no. And it's clearly they're the only two options to go undercover. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For some reason. So Tubbs is so like, this is going to be easy. I'm just going to walk in there. They're going to give me what I want. I'll even give you a French accent instead of a Jamaican accent. Well, in the end, he does the Jamaican, though, right? <laughs> it no, always goes he tries back. the French, the pour le vous. And... Well, that's the... what that was supposed to be. <laughs> that was supposed to be French. That, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was just Jamaican with a flair. Like... <laughs> no. <laughs> this the scene has a bunch of great stuff in it. And just to recap, Marie tries to run away after the attack gina fights them off but marie gets captured here we are at the precinct they're gonna decide what they're gonna do tub says he'll go undercover he'll try and infiltrate the grand sanctuary the event where the the big voodoo event that leg was gonna have before he goes back to haiti Cassio says just get the girl don't try and don't bother with legba crockett is adamant that 
they can't take Laybaugh lightly. They they need to be focused on this. And the ladies say, we got other stuff to do. We're on loan with so- someone else tomorrow, so you're going to have zero backup. And Tubbs is like, these people are <laughs> lame. I got this. I don't need no backup. Everything's good. So Whoa. the next day, when when they go to when Tubbs goes to infiltrate Grand Sanctuary, he goes and stands on the street corner where there's supposed to be a pickup. Like, that's where they're going to do the pickup. And Sonny comes driving up and... Then Tubbs says, after all that stuff, he's like, nah, I got this. This is easy. They're a bunch of chumps. He says, no, I'm nervous about not having any backup. And it would be cool like if if we didn't have to go this deep undercover with this with this crazy of a gang. Uh, well, why did you volunteer? <laughs> and Crockett told him, like, this is uh, a terrible uh, idea. No, you shouldn't do this. No, they're dangerous. So you can't I, do it. So I also want to point out. In the meeting in the last scene, Crockett was saying how, I think it was Tubbs that was saying that voodoo is just something that only poor people and believe and that... Uh, like uneducated people uh, too, right? Poor and yeah, like uneducated. uneducated it, poor and uneducated people. In the scene, we see a bunch of really beat up chucks and people grinding in the beds with tarps mm-hmm. on these chucks. And here's Crockett and his black Ferrari. Obviously, he chose the black one for surveillance because that won't uh, stick <laughs> out. But yeah, and then after he talks to Tubbs, he just goes and parks it right across the street. You've got like beat up truck, not working truck, and then you've got mm-hmm. Ferrari. <laughs> not only is he trying to do the French accent, which is just terrible, but then he tries to bribe the guy with like a dollar. <laughs> What can Mr. Washington get me? <laughs> Poor Le Vu. Well, yeah, he bribes his way to the back of the truck, and then when he's getting in there, he plants a tracking device right in the middle of the bumper on the back of the truck as if no one would see that. And then we have a great montage. We have a following montage. <laughs> Not a very good following, though. But <laughs> no, first impression is that so the truck takes off and Crockett's going to follow. And I love tracking devices in the 80s because it's literally the hot and cold game. It beeps faster for uh-huh. hot, slower for cold. Good luck following this truck. <laughs> Yeah, and it looks like a garage door opener with the, and it always has the red light that's blinking. You because know? that's it, what it is. Ugh. They didn't have the budget to get anything better than that. Think about last week where they had that gigantic remote for that bomb. <laughs> 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 they don't have very good. I just wonder which uh, which guy on the staff had to sacrifice his garage door opener. <laughs> <laughs> Give me your garage door opener. Damn it! <laughs> of course, Crocky loses him. The the tracking device fell off somewhere, and so now Tubbs is literally on his own, and we. We go to what is the best, most fantastic tub scene Chucks in the are history. Faster than Ferraris. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. <Yeah. laughs> so I don't know how Tubbs is ever going to be able to top this next scene. We go to Grand Sanctuary. It's like a Bengals video. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, I told you, Dominic, about this scene beforehand. I said this scene, there's going to be a scene at the end where Tubbs is going to do some freaky ass crap. <laughs> <laughs> like you're never gonna believe that his acting in this scene i told you i tried to warn you <laughs> so we, we come in and music's playing and, and, and like there's just like a seance going around the fire right and then all of a sudden tubbs has like some sort like of egyptians <laughs> then all of a sudden tubbs has like some sort of muscle spasm or a seizure no, that was dancing that was his way of dancing <laughs> See, i thought he was on ass okay <laughs> 
in reality, all he does is run over, grab Marie, and then try and run off. Legba sees what's happening. And because Tubbs he's gets not about, blind. <laughs> no. And he, Tubbs gets about 10 feet away, trips and falls. <laughs> and then, and then everyone has him at fall? gunpoint. Why did he? I thought at that point they had already drugged him. I'm like, oh, so they've already <laughs> drugged him. That's why he did so what like that. About- and then he trips on his own feet. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Tubbs has been drugs. Nope, that's just the way he dances. And like, I, I couldn't figure out watching it when they drugged him. And so I'm thinking, like, didn't he listen to the guy talk about the poison fish? Why would you eat fish at a seance anyway? Before we get to the like the real best part, we have just a brief scene with Crockett where he's still trying to figure out where Tubbs is. They think they saw the truck heading out to Kendall Estates. He still can't find him. We go back to the sanctuary and we walk in and Tubbs is being brought into like some crisscross applesauce meeting, maybe. I, I think they're playing yeah, they're playing like Duck Duck Goose or something. <laughs> Everyone's sitting in a circle holding candles. Legba sitting in a giant wicker chair. And John, now that I think about it, this is a lot like that scene in Half Baked where Samson sit at the end where Samson's sitting on the throne and then Chappelle comes in pretending to be Jamaican. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Legba talks like he had some sort of stroke or something. Like he's got mental problems. He's just not making he's any sense. He's a zombie, man. You got to give him a break. <laughs> They force Tubbs to his knees and then they inject him with something and says that the dose might kill him. And then there's this long, weird rant by Legba that ends with, quote, if you survive, the only law you will obey is of the walking dead. So and what then- I took from this is that they gave him the yep. <laughs> is that accurate? Is that a good way to put it? <laughs> So I'm gonna try and describe now. After there's Tubbs, no way to describe it without. After with Tubbs gets injected with this, what what he looks like? Stage one, he looks like he's really cold. Like he needs a jacket. He's shivering, and then 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 he starts to shake a little bit more. And he goes cross-eyed, like that scene where Noogie's getting married to his wife, to a stripper wife. He kind of looks like like he's having like that kind of seizure. <laughs> In a daze, he sees that Legba kills Marie, but he's got his back blocking what's happening. And then you go back to, he's starting to get sweaty. So look, he, he's gotten to stage two where it's like the spiciness of the, <laughs> of the injection is starting to kick in. And it's like a, it's something uh, uh, really spicy. Someone needs to get him a glass of milk. I was really hoping they were going to turn Tubbs into a goat too. <laughs> he just turned into a goat right in front of you. <laughs> And then the pain well, they can really... turn them back. They, they did it once in the episode. <laughs> and then the pain They're really magic. ramps up, and it goes to leg cramp tubs. He's Foot shaking. Cramping. Yeah, he's shaking. Someone needs to get him a banana. He's got serious <laughs> calf problems that's happening. And then it ends with where he's finally going to pass that kidney stone that he's got. And it's like finally making it out to the end, and then he passes out. Tubbs acting was fantastic. I totally got everything he was going for. The kidney stone, the leg cramps, the spicy food. I got it all. Now we've got Detective Crockett the next day searching for his buddy. And I love the concern when he finds, you know, Tubbs' lucky jacket. Lucky jacket. <laughs> oh my no. god. And then Zito finds Tubbs in the pool, in the empty pool, right? And instead of him hopping down into the pool, he just yells out, Crockett, 
here's Tubbs. Crockett comes running over, jumps into the pool, and tells Zito to go call an ambulance. Like, because Zito what don't he... care. <laughs> he is not Switek, so he don't care. Okay, <laughs> it's not his partner. He doesn't care. Uh, All those. Yeah, jokes... Jesus is still in the van. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All those jokes they make about them, the B team, how they're always making jokes about Zito and Switek. Nah, he's uh, not gonna uh... go save you in the pool. <laughs> he's gonna let you lay there. I love how no one checks to see if anyone's ever dead. I know. No. <laughs> He just yells out, hey, Crockett, I found something. We get to the next scene. It's at the hospital, and Tubbs is still alive. He's like having a really bad hangover. Special medicine is not working, and so they have to get a witch. <laughs> well, the toxicologist from, from the beginning of the episode, the beaker is back. He injects Tubbs with like the, whatever the like cure is. like I that fish. <laughs> And mostly, you you notice something right away in this scene with Tubbs. This, this is a questionable hospital. Yeah, okay. There's no... He has nothing attached to him. Wasn't he, like, dead, like, hours ago? <laughs> like, laying in a pool face down? There's nothing... There's no monitor on him. There's no IVs. It's just some guy in a hospital who pretends to put a, a needle in his arm, and then miraculously he wakes up. Like, why did they wait so long to give him that medicine? Why didn't they give it to him right away? What was like, Why did everyone have to be in the room while they did it? Did they take him to a vet? <laughs> I just said, I told Dominic that maybe they didn't have the money to get like the budget for Miami Vice was like slim. So I'm like, maybe they didn't have the money. So it's like in the back of some guy's office, they set up a bed, you know, in like the the writer's office. And they're like, just put a bed in there. It'd be fine. No one will notice he's not being monitored. Are those no nurses or doctors in this hospital? <laughs> room closet two is also yeah, exactly. hospital room 221A. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> While Tubbs is laying in the bed, he's having like flashbacks from what was happening the night before. He sees himself being injected. He sees Marie get killed. Marie starts talking to him in the hallucinations too, saying, and eventually Marty's mustache brings Tubbs out of his days. <laughs> it is a mighty fine mustache, that is. <laughs> and then Tubbs just lunges for Crockett's throat. Maybe he was mad because he lost him. <laughs> This is all your fault. <laughs> Crockett calms him down and Tubbs starts crying. Says that Legba killed Marie. Mostly you were saying that like he lunged for Crockett's throat and no one did anything. They just watched Marty it just happen. watched. And he was like, yep. Just sitting there like, yeah, that's what I would do too. They'll work this out. Don't worry about it. It was expected. <laughs> yeah. He's like, they'll work do this, this out. this every Tuesday. These crazy boys. I'll just let them choke it out. It'll be okay. He doesn't even help him. What if he did strangle Crockett? He doesn't help him at all. And then he, and then when um, Tub starts crying, did you notice that Marty like shakes his head like in disappointment? He's like, yeah. whatever. <laughs> You're what such a, a wimp. Such a wimp. Just because you got drugged and got all sweaty in a seance. <laughs> so I love how right after he's basically dead, he basically talks his way somehow not only back into the office, but back into the action plan mm -hmm. of going after zombie Sans Samson. <laughs> yeah, I know. Marty's like, no, I don't think you should go out. I don't think it's a good idea. He's not in the right state of mind. And Crocker's like, eh, he'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> he's fine don't worry i mean he did try to strangle me like an hour ago but mm -hmm. he seems okay to me that's pretty normal and crocus seems to know an awful lot of information because when he heard blackbird barty asked him what is that and crocus says it's a haitian freighter yeah and that stop at the precinct that we have before the final scene marty says hey this one tubs out there crocus says he's going to be okay he's just a little rattled the b team is already out at the blackbird freighter and that's where we're going to go for the final scene when we get there legba's van is being lifted onto the boat the b team are in disguise they're walking around as if they're uh, the teamsters working around the boat tubs across so, are hiding in the shadows it, it is very unfortunate timing while they're ducking around in the shadows there's like a drive-by like 
next door or something because all of a sudden there's gunshots and everyone just kind of pops out like who shot at who because you see baron up on the boat he's hiding but he doesn't (laughs) sorry he doesn't how could you how could you see him he's hiding so well i mean (laughs) so yeah the shooting just comes out of nowhere it's no one from legba's team shot the duo didn't shoot anyone it's just random shooting all of a sudden happened tubs is still out of it backfired and caused like this big (laughs) shootout because of it it was the goat the goat started it all (laughs) the goat finally got his revenge tubs of course he's still rattled so he looks off the wrong way he like aims his gun at the in the wrong direction crockett flips around shoots and kills baron and just starts popping people off left and right killed so many people that seemed while tubs was pointing his gun the wrong direction and like going cross-eyed again As soon as gunfire starts happening, you know, it's like murder spree. (laughs) (laughs) Nightbot jumps out of the van and he starts limping away like he's got a really bad Charlie horse or something. (laughs) He had such a bad cramp. (laughs) Tubbs chasing it all the time. Brains. I need brains. (laughs) So Tubbs takes off after him. And he can't shoot. He's he's having he's like Got he's he's seeing things wrong. He's like he he he's like imagining where Legba is, but he disappears. So he's like you can see he's still having trouble. He eventually runs down Legba and fires off a shot, hitting him right in his gimpy leg. <laughs> he corners him up on top of the boat. Sonny's still dropping fools left and right, and Legba just starts yelling out to Tubbs, "Voodoo Legba!" and walk inside me. And Tubbs starts having like these visions and flashbacks that was happening from when he was drugged and we and we didn't mention that like the part of the drugging that legba was saying is like it'll make it so you can't be a cop anymore you'll only like basically you'll only listen to me but you won't be able to do your job anymore you gave him the yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm more interested in the fact that tubs finally battles through the yips shoots him (laughs) but i don't think he actually hits him because Clearly, Zombie Samson jumps off of the ship in the next yes, scene. He jumps. He clearly jumps off. He's not falling. Yeah, you can see him like his body is like ready to jump into the water. I, that's why I said, like, are they sure he's dead? Because he jumped into the water. Well, once again, we don't check. We don't check to make sure people's dead. Especially a man who's already been dead in the episode earlier. Lake Bob eventually pulls out a gun. He shoots and misses. And you're right. Like, it doesn't look like he hits him. Lake Bob just jumps off into the water. We don't see what happens to him. And then Tumps eventually realizes, like, oh, wait, I didn't actually see Marie get killed. He runs over to the van, pulls open, like, a hidden com- a hidden casket inside of the van. And in there is Marie still alive. And then we freeze frame on the end of the episode. And that's it. Oh, but you know Tumps got his groove back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what i was thinking when they opened that van up and they lifted up that um casket thing i'm like what kind of freaky crap was he into <laughs> like this is some weird stuff what was going on in this van was he picking up women and having sex with them in that vault thing and that is casket? that just the way he travels does he just travel via coffin this episode just like it's the same as last week they're just rustying so fast we have so many questions left over but i need to mute myself so let's get over to the music so i can finish laughing about the yips while john while john talks about the music 
Okay, John, I looked at the music list and I did recognize one band in Red Rider, but... All right, so our first song is Phantom Living by The Fit. So they were a rock new wave band out of London that came together in 1979. It was founded by college friends Cy Curran on vocals and Adam Woods on drums. The group was initially called The Portraits. They released a couple singles and then changed their name to The Fix with one F with one X in 1980 but after playing club scene the club scene they got a record deal in 1982 from MCA but MCA made them adjust their name because they were worried people would connect fix with drugs mm. so they became the fix with two X's <laughs> that makes it better that's a thousand times better so pretty much from what I could tell the fix was just kind of a new wave rock band they had a bunch of different songs. They did pretty well for themselves. I didn't recognize a single damn song that they had. I'm so sure I would move on to, <laughs> to someone you might actually recognize. And that would be our next song is Transformation by Nona Hendrix. Nona Hendrix, you might not recognize her name, but she was known for being one third of the band LaBelle or basically Patti LaBelle's group. Their big hit being the song Lady Marmalade. In 1944, Nona Hendrix met Jer New Jersey native Sarah Dash. And a little bit later that year, Philadelphia-born Patricia Holt, a.k.a. Patti LaBelle. So after a short-lived 10-year with Del Capri's, they formed... The three of them formed the girl group, the Ordettes. They would tour around as the Ordettes and eventually add another member, fourth member, Cindy Birdsong in 1961 and changed their name to the Bluebells. And that is when they would sign their first record contract. It was pretty much at that point, Patti LaBelle took the front stage. That's when their music started to get kind of popular. In 1967, though, Birdsong would leave for their rival, The Supremes. And they would find themselves in between record deals, basically, looking for a resurgence. Because so to try and revitalize their career, they would move to England. And that is when they would become the LaBelles. And that is when they would have their hit, Lady Marmalade. And that is really when Patti LaBelle just continued, Nona Hendrix continued to be in the shadow kind of, of Patti LaBelle. So she would go in about 1977 and release her first solo record, but that would actually do poorly and she would actually lose her record deal because of it. So coming into the 80s, she was doing backup vocals for the band The Talking Heads before she put she put together and fronted rock group Zero Cool. Throughout the 80s, she would release a second solo album after seeing some success with Zero Cool, and that is where we get the song Transformation, which is the one in the episode. And that is based on her second solo album, 1983's Nona. So it actually turned out to be a big dance hit, and ironic enough, later on, it would be covered by Patti LaBelle. Weird. <laughs> yes. That actually, she would actually, she actually continues to perform all the way up to as recently as, I want to say 2014 or 13. But she was also, her biggest success would eventually be in 1987's Why Should I Cry, which actually landed her in the top five in R&B. But she also, in the 80s, did a number of soundtracks, including this song, Transformation, for the soundtrack to the movie Perfect, and the song Transparent for the movie Coming to America. Our next song is 
Can't Turn Back by Red Rider, which is the Canadian band who we've mm-hmm. already talked about for the song Lunatic, Lunatic Fringe. And this is like worse timing because I don't, the last thing I need is another Red Rider hole to go down. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Trying to figure out something new to talk about. This was off of their album Neruda in 1983 and was written by Tom Cochran, who was the lead singer. So a little bit about Tom Cochran is he's from Little Lake, Manitoba. He bought his first guitar when he was 11 by selling his toy train. (laughs) (laughs) Toy train from an 11 year old. Like, that just screams scam to me. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> that can only happen in Canada and not to end in a police report. Yeah, I was going to say, like, and who trusts that? Like, that sounds kind of shady. Oh, That's not creepy so at all. He, would, he, tried to be, he made his way to L.A. and got a job writing theme music for the movie My Sure Is My Business, which I thought was a porn. But it turned out to be the Xavier Hollander story. So it's a Canadian porn. Yes. So he would return to Toronto all broken, disenfranchised after L.A. didn't work out. Driving a cab and even worked at, at on a cruise ship part time until one day at the El Macabo Tavern in Toronto, he would meet Red Ryder in, 19, in 1978, and then he would for 10 plus years as their lead singer. What a weird coincidence. Sometimes going back to Canada is what will make you famous, folks. <laughs> Very rarely, but sometimes. So the last song we have is Todd Rundgren. It's the song Flesh. Song Flesh off his 81 album Healing. Todd Rundgren is a musician who in the 1970s and 80s engineered and produced albums and like Grand Funk Railroad, The New York Dolls, All mm. Notes, and including being credited for Meat Loaf's Bad Out of Hell. He's best known for his 1972 album, his gold record, Something anything features the songs hello it's me and i saw the light you know it doesn't matter what he did nothing will ever top being that close to hall's mustache (laughs) yes yes tom rungren basically is just like from what i was reading basically he was a studio guy and a studio artist who played on everybody's tracks when they came out with music videos he was intrigued so he was one of the first guys who would do like animation for music Mm. videos so he released some stuff himself but he was always known for just being a really good musician he would fill in for people on tours like in 2005 he joined the new cars which is basically the cars (laughs) Um, there was this short-lived band called utopia or short-lived project because it was kind of like a wizard of oz rock show that just sounded like a cluster and that it probably (laughs) lost tons of money yeah yeah, so he was pretty much, he was just a studio guy that had uh, just a really, really good studio guy. And that is your music. Let's let's get over to our final thoughts on this, uh, John, because I know you had to dig deep for that music, and I don't want a case of the yips to kick up again. Because <laughs> 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 this was this was a an obscure music segment, except for Red Rider, who, but we've had them before. So I know you, you really had to dig deep for this music segment. All right, let's go over and talk about our final thoughts on this episode. All right, Melissa, I am going to pick on you this week. Why me? <laughs> <laughs> well, my you know, final thoughts are that it's very 
it's a very entertaining episode, I guess, <laughs> in some way. I don't know. <laughs> I know that you were dreading this episode when you saw it on the list that this one was coming up, that you're not a fan of this episode, although the, the next one you are a gigantic fan of. Oh, I am so excited for the next episode. I can't wait. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not a fan of this episode. I don't like Clarence at all. <laughs> I mean, I think, I don't know. I don't. I really don't have anything nice to say about that whole thing <laughs> but um I, I said it's except i like i said you get the gem of tubs acting at the end i mean i, I shouldn't say the acting the writing must have been stellar and so he was just, oh yes he was just fulfilling what they put on the paper he had to bring it to, to flourish in, in the screen okay so he just had to it just looked like he was having a seizure i mean that's what i was supposed to or like you said he had a really bad cramp or i don't know maybe he had to hold in a fart and it was just too much. I don't know. <laughs> he was going to let it slip. <laughs> well, I would say I knew going into it that it was going to be an awkward episode because of the voodoo aspect and any it's not just my advice any tv show in the 80s it seems like they all had like a santeria or a voodoo episode at some point in time and all of them were terrible none of them were ever any good but i'll give credit to vice on this one is that it was a lot of fun they did a lot of really goofy stuff and it feels like some of the things some of those awkward moments that they were done kind of on purpose that was tongue-in-cheek kind of making fun of this religion kind of i don't know i can't put my finger on what it was but some of it seemed like they were they were going out of their way to be funny we hope so, so anyway that it was on purpose <laughs> otherwise <laughs> otherwise it was the wrong turnout i'm always a big fan of tubs heavy episodes because they're always like the most ridiculous storyline <laughs> So I do appreciate when there's a tough heavy episode because they're always the most ridiculous, over-the-top, fun storylines. So I, I had a lot of fun with this episode, but as I mentioned at the very, very beginning, it's like it might be for all the wrong reasons. But I still I still really, really liked this episode. John, what are your final thoughts? I, I enjoyed it for the same reason you did, that it was just hilariously done. There was a lot to laugh about as far as just the goofiness of it i just the the thing that bothers me with it is that i get you want to do you want to touch on the haitian population in miami you want to talk it's like every show in the 80s and even now still does a voodoo episode it's like standard protocol what it just i mean if i'm doing miami's close enough to louisiana that if i'm doing a voodoo episode i'm doing a tubs and crockett leave go to louisiana mm -hmm. for something mm -hmm. kind of you know with the fan boats and you know that type of episode i guess if i'm doing mm -hmm. it like i said i get they want to adjust the haitians but they could be they could have just been haitian gangs i just they didn't talk about voodoo and they didn't know much about voodoo when they were when the episode was like going on it was just everything was voodoo like i don't think the voodoo aspect of the episode was even all of that necess necessary or it could have been just written better i don't done it in louisiana like new orleans or something there i don't know i guess that maybe that's i've watched too many voodoo episodes and for some reason they always take place in new orleans <laughs> that's gonna do it for us this week we hope you enjoyed this episode as you can tell we had a lot of fun not just watching this episode but discussing it so i i think this is a a classic this goes for me as a classic vice episode you can I do want more tubs accents we've gotten jamaican and french so i'm hoping to get german sometime before season three <laughs>
We'd love to hear from you. Email the show, go with the heat at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, just at go with the heat. As I mentioned, we'd love to hear from you. So email us what your thoughts are on this episode or come back next week and email us after we find out from Melissa, one of her favorite episodes in Bushido. That's going to do it for us this week, and we'll see you all next time. Bye, pals. Thank you.